On September 23rd, Greta Thunberg delivered a powerful and impassioned speech at the UN Climate Action Summit in New York. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. If there's anything to be learned from Greta's powerful speech, it's this. Time is running out. Our planet is warming up. The Antarctic ice sheets are melting. Sea levels are rising. But what can we do? A growing community of scientists are pushing for experimenting with the radically sounding idea that, if successful, would help us press the pause button, so to speak, on the climate crisis. The technology is called solar geoengineering, and the key to it is... Volcanic eruptions. My name is Jonathan Mowens, and in today's podcast I'll be talking to experts from around the globe about how we may supplement current efforts to tackle the climate crisis by literally tweaking the conditions of our Earth's atmosphere using solar geoengineering. I'm going to be asking experts how on Earth they're going to do this, what the most recent developments in solar geoengineering are, and what challenges we may face if we're confronted with this in the future. First off, I spoke to a political economist at New York University who has dedicated much of his career highlighting the importance of risk and uncertainty in prompting climate action. Uh, juggernaut without the jug, Gernot Wagner. I uh, teach at NYU Department of Environmental Studies and NYU Wagner, appropriately enough. Gernot Wagner was also the founding co-director of the Harvard Solar Geoengineering Group. I asked Gernot to explain what solar geoengineering is. Mount Pinatubo erupts in the Philippines in June 1991. Temperatures about a year later are roughly half a degree centigrade, almost a degree Fahrenheit, lower than they would have been without the volcanic erupt. Scientists quickly realized that tiny light-reflecting particles shot 20 to 50 kilometers into the Earth's atmosphere were responsible for reducing global average temperatures. Specifically, large volcanic eruptions release sulfur into the stratosphere. Here, the particles reflect the sunlight back into space, thereby cooling our planet. Solar geoengineering is the process of mimicking this very mechanism. While no outdoor experiments have been carried out to date, the goal is to insert tiny light-reflecting particles into the Earth's stratosphere to cool our planet. I asked Gernot Wagner more about the scale of these future experiments and what they might look like. Frankly, just to be clear about the magnitude, right? if that experiment were to use sulfate aerosols, the amount of sulfates released through the entire experiment would be less than one commercial airliner releases in one minute of flight. I also wanted to find out more about current efforts on solar geoengineering. So I made a call to the Harvard Research Group and asked them more about what they were testing and what kind of risks were associated with their projects. Hello, this is Jonathan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Lizzie Burns has a background in public policy and works alongside the Harvard Research Group. She focuses on thinking about what kinds of governing bodies will be necessary if this technology were ever to be deployed. I asked her about the team she manages. 
and about the test they might be carrying out, the Stratospheric Controlled Perturbation Experiment, or SCOPEX for short. I was wondering what were their aims and what objectives they were trying to achieve. So the Stratospheric Controlled Perturbation Experiment, also called SCOPEX, is a proposed experiment to study a calcium carbonate particle in the atmosphere in a way that would have no physical uh, risks as it relates to humans or the environment, but could help advance understanding around scientific processes that would be relevant to our understanding of solar geoengineering's potential benefits, but importantly, its, its risks. To help me visualize this, Lizzie described how the proposal involves sending a balloon up into the stratosphere, where it would release calcium carbonate and collect data on how this particle interacts with the elements in the atmosphere. Lizzie says there are several reasons why calcium carbonate rather than sulfur, as with the volcanoes, is being used. If we look at some of the first-order impacts of just sulfate aerosol in particular, we see things such as the potential for ozone depletion. So essentially, sulfate aerosols would interact with the current chemistry of the stratosphere in ways that would reduce the ozone layer, which would be harmful when we think about things like UV radiation and whatnot. Calcium carbonate, which is found in things such as chalk, paper, and toothpaste, is a promising alternative to sulfur. Preliminary modeling studies suggest that it also has the light-reflecting properties necessary for cooling. It also seems to trap less heat and may actually improve the conditions of the ozone layer, at least in theory. It's not something that exists naturally in the stratosphere. So we don't know for certain how it would really work in the stratosphere. We don't know if, for example, some of our results in the laboratory are actually incorrect for a certain reason. For example, our laboratory tests have put particles in a flow tube, which is essentially a big test tube that have walls. The stratosphere, of course, does not have walls. It has wind. Modeling tests can make interesting theoretical predictions about the climate, but it's only once we test this outside of the laboratory that we will get a strong sense of how calcium carbonate will interact in our stratosphere. It's exactly for this reason that the Harvard team want to carry out these experiments, to know more about risks, about uncertainties, about how calcium carbonate behaves in our stratosphere. It should be noted that Greta Thunberg and the Extinction Rebellion movement are vehemently opposed to solar geoengineering. They see this as a distraction to avoid transformative decarbonization of the global energy system. And they're not the only ones to think this. The question is, how do you avoid this death spiral of temptation to do a little bit more each year? We actually cancel out some of the warming due to carbon dioxide. Well, it's hard enough to convince people to stop emitting CO2 already. This is Ray Pierrembert, and he's a climate scientist at the University of Oxford. Ray has been a vocal critic of Scopex and solar geoengineering more broadly. In fact, he even refuses to use the word engineering, saying it implies a kind of precision and control that is simply false for climate systems. Instead, Ray uses the term albedo modification, which in this case, albedo, simply means reflectivity. Once you've done one experiment outdoors, well, then it opens the way to a bigger experiment and a bigger and a bigger experiment. And then maybe you start to have competition. One country sees, ah, Harvard is, is doing experiments in the stratosphere. We need to develop that technology too. And we'll do a bigger experiment. It generates a kind of an arms race. Another of Ray's major concerns with Scopex and solar geoengineering more broadly has to do with timing. Carbon dioxide we put in the atmosphere today will still be affecting climate very severely 10,000 years from now, uh, whereas the uh, substances that the Harvard group and others want to put up in the stratosphere to try to block some sunlight and cool the earth, uh, they, they have a lifetime of maybe a year or two. So essentially, you're, you're committing humanity to doing this continually 
for the next thousands of years. Otherwise, the warming snaps back and hits you in the face as soon as you're forced to stop doing this albedo modification. Ray believes that solar geoengineering may serve useful in a utopian world. But, he says, he's cynical that that world is the one we currently live in. I can imagine situations where there's a very orderly world order. People are able to cooperate on solving problems and compromise on winners and losers. As I've written in several articles, a world with Donald Trump and Boris Johnson is not that world. Speaking to Gourneau, Lizzie and Ray made me realize several things. Solar geoengineering is a simple enough concept involving inserting aerosols into the stratosphere to reflect the sunlight. But the socio-political repercussions attached to this technology are vastly complex. Second, regardless of who I spoke to, a strong degree of skepticism was voiced. Grineau said it was too cheap for its own good, citing that estimated costs at $2 billion a year could tempt countries to use the technology both prematurely and dangerously. Lizzie, instead, is afraid of fossil fuel industries and other powerful groups that might abuse this technology to continue damaging practices to Earth. And Ray was highly concerned with the existential threat this technology may give rise to if it turns into a climate war, with little to no international governing body to regulate this. So, you may ask, what's next? Now, okay, so where is this going, right? Um, I, I would say, and to argue very strongly that in many ways it's not if, it is when solar geoengineering would in fact play a role. Yes, cutting CO2 emissions comes first. Yes, adapting to climate change is absolutely necessary and we should do much, much more of that. Yes, we need to suck CO2 out and then, yes, maybe uh, solar geoengineering ought to play, might play, a role as well in this overall climate policy portfolio. This episode was hosted and produced by Jonathan Moens for Science Line, NYU's online science publication. A huge thanks goes to Gernot Wagner, Lizzie Burns, Ray Pierre Humbert, and Douglas McMartin for their insights. Thanks also goes to Rahul Rao, Dan Fagan, and Bethel Hapti for their invaluable feedback. And thank you for listening. Check out scienceline.org for more podcasts, news, and compelling stories.